bondage to sin tonight and you want Jesus to save you on the count of three I want all of you to stand who want to be saved one two three stand to your feet And thank you for what you're going to do right here tonight in Jacksonville. And if you believe that, somebody shout amen. amen. Praise God. Are you guys happy tonight? Man, I think I got the hungry crowd. The hungry crowd comes on Sunday night. Amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Hey, I'm excited to be here tonight. Uh, again, my name is Evangelist Chris Michelson. I uh, come from all the way from the land of Orlando to be with you tonight. Praise the Lord. Uh, hey, you know what? You got to have faith to drive up I-95 and I-4. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you guys tonight. Um, I'm excited. You saw in the video, uh, that was some of the crusades that we've been doing 
in the nation of Pakistan over the last uh, about five years, five and a half years. Um, and, you know, you saw the, the, the total decision count there, 1.5 million. The issue with putting up statistics is they're always changing. We're actually just crossed over. We were just in Pakistan. Uh, we just got back about three weeks ago, my wife and I. And we've now seen just over 1.9 million people receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Come on, God is doing amazing things around the world. And uh, we're just excited to see what God will continue to do in the nation of Pakistan. Uh, I'll share a story a little bit uh, later tonight about what God has been doing there. And what the Lord did on this last trip. It was one of the most difficult dangerous trips I've ever been on, and I've been to Pakistan now 18 times, and so, um, it, but it was amazing what the Lord did, and, uh, and so I'm going to share a little bit more about that tonight, but it's good to be with you guys tonight, and uh, I, I'm just excited to see what the Lord does, amen? Amen. Uh, I was with Pastor Gary this afternoon at the hospital, and I want to tell you, he is, uh, he's excited that we're here tonight. I know him and Pastor Kim are excited to continue to see revival and a move of God happen in this church and in Jacksonville. Come on, somebody. We're, gonna, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep pushing forward in the name of Jesus, and we're going to keep kicking the devil in the behind. And somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Um, and so anyway, it's great to be with you, Pastor Gary, uh, Pastor Kim. Thank you so much. I don't know where the camera is, but uh, thank you guys so much for, from the bottom of my heart for having us. We're with you. We believe in you. We're going to continue to stand in faith for the miracle in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, we've got a bunch of product out at the table uh, that is available uh, for you guys when, on your way out, make sure you visit the product table. All the proceeds just help us to continue to reap the harvest in the most unna uh, unreached nations on the planet. Uh, over the last uh, about seven years of our ministry, it, we, it, it averages out in one of our crusades that it costs less than a dollar to see one soul get saved in Pakistan. And so literally every dollar you spend at the product table uh, will help us continue to see souls saved in Pakistan. Somebody say amen. amen. So we got a bunch of shirts back there. I'll just get, you know, there's a whole bunch of Jesus shirts back there. Uh, I, I mentioned this last time I was here, but when COVID happened, everyone was talking about what's essential, you know. Uh, Home Depot was deemed essential, you know. Uh, Walmart was essential, Publix was essential, you know, it's a bunch of garbage because uh, some states actually wanted to say that the church wasn't essential, but I'm glad we live in a good state. We got an amazing governor, and he said, no, the church is essential, and so praise God. But we said, you know what, we need to make a shirt that says what's most essential. Come on, Jesus is essential, Amen. If you want to go to heaven, Jesus is essential, amen? And so I think you, you ought to just go ahead and get that and put it on and be a billboard for Jesus everywhere you go. And uh, so who would like a t-shirt tonight? Praise the Lord. That's a lot of hands. Praise God. They're $25 at the product table. You can get them on your way out. 
Praise the Lord. I expect to see everyone. Oh, you thought I was, you thought I was giving one away. Who would like one for free tonight? I saw that lady in the in the red right there. I saw that hand pop right up. Yeah, yeah, you, you. Come on. Give her a big God bless you. That was the first hand I saw pop up. God bless you. You can exchange it for the right size. I don't know what size it is. Praise the Lord. And my beautiful wife, Amanda, she's sitting with me on the front. Well, she's sitting on the front row. Sweetie, would you stand? Come on, give her a big God bless you. She said, don't introduce me tonight. I did it anyway. Praise God. But I had to because she wrote her first book, and you guys can get it at the product table. It's called Unto Christ I Cling. If you want to grow in your walk with Jesus and go deeper in your walk with the Lord, I want to encourage you to get this. She wrote it just from her journeys of walking with Jesus and growing in the depths of relationship with Jesus, and it's power-packed. I want to encourage you to get back there uh, uh, to the product table. It's $15 at the product table, and you can get that as well. Who would like one tonight? Praise the Lord. You can get them at the product table. It works every time. Every time. Who would like one for free tonight? Hey, I want to give this one to Evangelist Mark Morozov. Hey, God bless. Give him a big God bless you tonight. Mark is from Jacksonville, right? Lives here in Jacksonville. And uh, he's an evangelist. And he's single and he's ready to mingle. So praise the Lord. Ladies. Go talk to Mark after service. Praise the Lord. Single ladies, single ladies. Shouldn't have to say that, but today's world, it's crazy. Praise the Lord. How many of you are ready for the word of God tonight? Come on, I believe that God is going to do mighty miracles here tonight. If you're here and you need a miracle, you need a touch from God, you're, you're going through something right uh, in, your, in your current situation, I believe God has got a breakthrough for you tonight in the name of Jesus. If you just keep pushing forward, I believe there's a breakthrough right around the corner for you tonight in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Praise the Lord. It's going to be a good night. First chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to read it. A few verses here, and then we're going to jump over into chapter number 30 of 1 Samuel. The Bible says here, 1 Samuel 15, 1, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he has done to Israel, how he has how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Somebody say all. Utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman and infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together 
and numbered them in Telem. 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart. Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. I'm having trouble with it tonight. Praise the Lord. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Somebody say alive. And he utterly destroyed all the people at the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people, Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen the fatlings of the lambs, and all that was good. And they were unwilling to destroy them, but everything despised and worthless they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. So here, here's the situation Saul is king of Israel. He was commissioned to go and do a job to utterly destroy the Amalekites. To utterly destroy them. Don't leave anything after you've gone there. Go and destroy everything. And it doesn't make sense in this moment why God wanted all of the Amalekites destroyed. But we'll see later why the Lord wanted the Amalekites destroyed. But God gave a command to Saul, go and do this. And Saul went and he only did part of it. And we see if you continue reading in chapter 15 that, that when Samuel the prophet comes back to Saul, Samuel's like, listen, you totally disobeyed the word of the Lord. You obeyed some of it, but you didn't obey all of it. And Saul actually starts to lie and he's like, hey guys, you know, it, 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 you know we wanted to make some sacrifices. And, and, and so he starts, he starts making all of these excuses as to why they didn't utterly destroy all the livestock, why they didn't kill the king of the Amalekites, and, and he starts making all of these excuses, and, and, and Samuel says in verse number 23, behold, verse number 22, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And so Samuel is rebuking Saul for basically lying about what God said and not being obedient to the word of the Lord. I want to tell you tonight that when God gives you a word, my friends, do whatever God tells you to do. Amen. Whatever God has called you to do, be obedient unto the word of the Lord. Turn with me now, jump over a few chapters to chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 
Verse 1 says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those that were there, from the small to the great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away. They went their way. And went their way. And so David and his men came to the city. And there it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had nothing more, uh, until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives, Ahoniam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Somebody say he strengthened himself. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then, the, then David said to Habiathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered and he said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray tonight in the mighty name of Jesus that your word would go forth with clarity, with power, and that it would destroy every lie of the enemy, that it would, that it would pierce our hearts, and that faith would come alive, and every enemy of ours would be scattered tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Saul completely disobeys God. He doesn't destroy the Amalekites like he was supposed to. And as a result, the Amalekites are still there 15 chapters later. Here David is. He's on the run. He, he is being attacked by King Saul. By this point in his life, he had already been anointed king of Israel. David is anointed king. David is, is the man for the hour. David is going to become king, and Saul is jealous and wants to destroy David. And so David is on the run. He finds refuge in one of the camps of the Philistines, and there he is uh, in Ziklag in one of the camps of the Philistines hiding out, trying to stay safe from being killed by Saul. He had just been in a big battle, and they had won the battle. They had this incredible victory, and as they were in this battle, what they didn't realize was the enemy came in behind them and attacked Ziklag. Killed, took their wives. He didn't, they didn't kill them. They took their wives, took their children, took everything that they had that was worth of any value. They stole it all. They burned Ziklag to the ground, and they took captive all of their wives and children. 
And so David and his men come back. They just had this amazing victory. They didn't even realize it, what had happened. And they're excited because of the victory. They got the spoils of the enemy. And they get back to where they would call home. They would get back to their place of rest, their place of refuge. And when they got back, all of a sudden they realized, wait a minute, everything is destroyed. Have you ever felt in life like, like you hit a wall, like you came up against a wall in life, like the enemy came in from behind and he attacked you and you didn't see it coming and he came up out of nowhere and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be this way. I don't understand. And all of a sudden it seems like everything is ruined. Here David is, he's distraught. He's in this place of feeling utter destruction. His heart is ripped from him. His two wives and his children have been taken captive. And it is in that place that David's own men turn their back on him. Have you ever been, have you ever gone through something? Man, I'll tell you, sometimes when, 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 when you're going through something and it's a difficult thing, for whatever reason, the enemy loves to use people to try to come and rub it in your face. Be like, oh, look at, you're going through this, you're going through that. It's probably because you deserved it. And that's what was happening. Here David is. They just got this incredible victory. They come back to utter destruction. And even David's own men want to stone him. They want to stone him because their wives and their children are gone. It is in that place that David feels utter shame. He feels utter brokenness. As a matter of fact, if you look into the names of the two wives of David, the two wives that he lost that day, Ahonim, her, her name means my brother is delight. That day David had lost Ahonim. The enemy had taken the delight out of David. He had taken his brother's delight away from him as so much so that his, his own brothers wanted to kill him. And it was in that place of, of feeling absolute abandonment that nobody was there for him. No one wanted to, anything to do with him. They wanted to stone him and kill him. It was in that place that David found himself there that day, utterly broken. Abigail, his other wife that was taken that day, said, her name means my father is joy or source of joy. So here David is, not only has he lost his wives, but he's lost the delight of his own brothers, those that should have had his back, those that used to fight for him, those that used to be there in battle for him. Now they've turned against him and they're looking down upon him. And not only that, he's lost the joy. He's lost the source of joy. His wife is gone. His wives are gone. His joy is gone. The delight of his brothers is gone. And he's at this place of feeling like utter helplessness, and then David did one of the most beautiful things you could ever do. What did David do? He called to Abiathar. He said, go get the ephod. And David, in verse 6, strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. 
I want to tell you tonight, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it is the spirit of the Lord that raises up a standard against him. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes at you like a flood, you got to raise up a standard. You got to raise up the spirit. You got to get in the spirit in the name of Jesus and say, No, devil, in the name of Jesus, you may have come in, you may have snuck in, you may have taken some possessions of mine, but I'm going to get them back in the name of Jesus because my God will not let me fail in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so David strengthened himself in the Lord. And it was in that place he got in the presence. You got to get in the presence. You know, a lot of times when we go through things, the last thing sometimes that you want to do is you want to get in the presence. A lot of times when the enemy comes at you and you're, you're, you're feeling attacked, the last thing you want to do a lot of times is go Spend time with Jesus. But my friends, that's the moment you need to be with Jesus. That's the moment you need to be in church. That's the moment that you need to raise your hands and start praising God. Why? Because you get into the presence and it is in his presence that the answer comes. David got in the presence. He got, in, he got into the anointing. He got in with the Lord. He began to strengthen himself in the Lord. And he said in that moment, Lord, should I pursue? If, if, if I pursue, is, is, it, is it even going to amount to anything? Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar, please bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it. David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake him? Hallelujah. And the Lord answered, pursue, and you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. When you're, when you're in a battle, you've got to get the word of the Lord you got to know, what is the Lord saying? Lord, I'm in this battle. I'm in this situation. The enemies come at me like a flood. I, I, I'm going through this. My business is failing. My, my job, people are giving me issues at my job. I have these issues at school. I've got this issue with my health. I've got this issue at church, at ministry, whatever it is that's coming against you. My friends, don't look to people for the answer, but look to the Lord for the answer. And get a word from God because he'll tell you what to do. Hallelujah. God will give you the word and he'll strengthen you. My friends, maybe you say, Chris, I, I've prayed and the Lord hasn't given me a word. I don't know what I don't know what his word is. Then turn to the word itself. Amen. Turn to the word. What does the word say? David inquired of the Lord, Lord, should I do this? And the Lord said, Yes, pursue. And you will overtake, and without fail, you will recover all. My friends, I want to submit to you tonight, when the enemy comes at you, you've got to pursue. You can't just retreat. A lot of times we want to retreat. Uh, discouragement destroys pursued. When you're discouraged, when you're feeling like, like man, I can't keep going, or, or I've hit this wall, a lot of times what happens is we retreat. 
we retreat, we say, I can't keep doing that, this has failed, or, 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 or I, don't ever, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever see the victory. But my friends, you've got to keep pursuing. Pursue the Lord, pursue his presence, pursue prayer, pursue Jesus, and pursue the enemy until you get back everything he stole from you and make him pay back everything he stole by a hundred times in Jesus' name. David pursued. Why? Because he knew the word of the Lord. You got to know the word. You say, but Chris, I don't, you don't understand my situation. It doesn't matter what your situation looks like, my friends. His word is our foundation. I said it last time I was here. But you see, the word of God is more real than reality itself. The word of God is more real than reality itself. When God created the world, he spoke, let there be light. There was light. His word created everything. And it is by his word that everything is sustained. It is his word. When Peter was standing in the boat in the midst of a great storm, Peter and the disciples, and they saw Jesus walking on the water. Nathan mentioned it briefly in his message this morning. He was talking about, geez, there's Jesus in the midst of the storm. They thought it was a ghost. Maybe they thought it was even one of the demons in the pigs, like Nathan mentioned this morning. They were afraid. And what happened? All of a sudden, Peter cries out, to Jesus. Jesus says to them, hey, don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if that's you, call me to come out to you on the water. In the midst of his storm, Jesus was there. Jesus was with him. And Jesus said one word to Peter. He said, come. And I said it last time, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep saying it. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Of God, when Peter heard the word of Jesus, Peter said, come. That water, that water, Peter knew he couldn't walk on that water. It's water. But he could stand on the word of God. He could stand on every word of Jesus. Peter said, wait a minute, I can't walk on liquid water, but I can stand on the word of God. If Jesus said, come, then I'll stand on that word. And with every step he took, he heard the words of Jesus, come, come, come. My friends, when you are in a battle, you've got to stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. You stand on the word. We were just in Pakistan a couple weeks ago. We were going there to do a big crusade. As a matter of fact, it was pretty amazing. We, out of the 18 times that I've traveled to Pakistan, I think I can count maybe two times where we had actually a very smooth trip. Normally when I go to Pakistan, all hell breaks out. There's issues with visas, issues with passports, unexpectedly. We've had issues trying to get in. We've had issues raising the money. Sometimes we've had issues with government officials. We've had suicide attacks. We've had bombings, shootings, all kinds of things happening. Every single time just about that I go to Pakistan, something crazy is happening in Pakistan. 
And rarely do you ever hear about it on the news. We get to Pakistan this last trip. We land, everything's going smooth. As a matter of fact, I thought to myself before the trip, and Amanda told me later, she also thought the same thing. Wow, this has been a really smooth trip. This is amazing. There's not been some major issue leading up to the trip. We got on the plane, we land. We get in the car, my director picks us up at the airport. He says, well, Chris, every time you come, there's protesting in Pakistan. I thought, well, there it is. There's protesting. No big deal. There's always some kind of protest happening in Pakistan. I said, what is the protest? He tells me, he says, the protest is that um, the former prime minister, Imran Khan, had just been kicked out of office a couple months ago. He believes that the United States government was behind him being kicked out because he aligns with the Taliban in Pakistan. And so the government, he believes that the U.S. government cooperated behind his back with the military of Pakistan to kick him out of office because he likes the Taliban. Could be, I don't know. So he was mad. They were protesting all week. We landed uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, they had started on Monday. While we were flying, they had started protesting. Hundreds of thousands of people in the streets protesting, mad at the government. They won a re-election, but it was mostly peaceful. And so when we landed, we thought, praise God, it's just a protest, no big deal. Hopefully it doesn't affect the crusade. And so we, we come against this issue, and maybe the, mo- the majority of people, the majority of Americans, you know, probably would be very afraid. But because I've been doing this for so long, uh, it doesn't faze me at all. We're like, okay, let's keep going. So we keep pushing forward. The crusade was Friday night. Thursday afternoon, I get a message saying that the ex-Prime Minister Imran Khan was just shot several times at his protest. An assassin came to try to kill him. At his protest, shot him several times, hit him in the legs. They rushed him to the hospital, but thankfully, he survived. He wasn't killed. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Because this, Pakistan is like the Wild West of the world, okay? You have to understand. Anything can happen in Pakistan. One little thing could just absolutely make the entire country go into upheaval. And so we were all on high alert. All of a sudden, not only were they protesting, but now they tried to kill the guy, right? And so we're on high alert, and Friday morning we wake up, and there's protests across the entire country, even more than before. The hotel we were staying at was about three hours away from our crusade city. There's protests happening just a couple miles from where we were staying That afternoon at that protest, just a few miles from our hotel, there were several shootings between his party and the police department and those that were trying to stop him. All hell was breaking out all over the country. Protests happening in the crusade city, three hours away, but right where the crusade was supposed to happen, there's protesting, there's uprising. They're they're wanting to literally shut the entire country down. And in that moment, we faced a wall. We faced a barrier. The enemy came in and was like, hey, I don't think you should do this crusade. I don't think, you know, and all of a sudden your thoughts start going wild. 
What happens if we go there? What happens if they attack us? I'm an American. They're mad at the Americans. And I stick out like a sore thumb. They're all like this tall compared to me. And so, I mean, we've been in this situation before, but now not like this. This is like, this is like extreme danger. And you know what happened? In that moment, we began to pray. In that moment, we began to seek the Lord. In that moment, we began to stand on the word of God. And we knew what the word said, that, that God would protect us, that no weapon formed against us would prosper or succeed, that though a 1,000 fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it will will not come near me in the name of Jesus. I will live and not die, and I will declare the word. Oh, come on, somebody. When you're in a battle, you got to stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. We've got to stand on God's word. It didn't even phase us. We said we're going. We're going to do the crusade. We get to the crusade city. Some of our buses that were bringing thousands of people got stuck in the protest. They couldn't even get to the crusade field. We get to the crusade field, and there's tens of thousands of people gathered. I preached the gospel. Our attendance was down a little bit compared to what we normally would see. But I preached the gospel that night, and over 60,000 people received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in Pakistan. Hallelujah. We get done with the crusade. We get in the, the vehicle. We're on our way home. We stop to get some food. And they tell me, they said, Chris, we're getting reports from all over the country. People weren't leaving their houses because what happens in Pakistan when something like this happens, you don't leave your house. You stay at home where it's safe. There was nothing on television besides news coverage of Imran Khan and our crusade was being broadcast nationwide in almost every home in the country. And people were watching all over the country. There were even Muslim-owned restaurants that were playing the crusade on television while the crusade was happening. My friends, I don't know. We saw 60,000 get saved on, uh, at the field, but I don't know. There might have been hundreds of thousands that got saved watching at home. My friends, when the enemy comes, when the enemy comes up against you, my friends, don't stop, but keep pursuing. Keep pushing forward. Don't let discouragement come against you. Smith Wigglesworth once said, I'm not moved by what I see or how I feel. I'm only moved by that which I believe, the word of God. I'm not moved by what I see or how I feel. Maybe your circumstance doesn't look good. Maybe the situation doesn't look good. Maybe it doesn't look promising. But my friends, your faith cannot be in your situation. Your faith can't be in your feelings. Put your faith in the word of God. Hallelujah. We stand on the word. We keep believing the word. We push forward. So we kept pursuing. My friends, you've got to pursue. You've got to overtake. And you've got to recover all. Somebody say amen. amen. Overtake means that there's going to be a fight. David pursued the enemy. 
when David got up to the enemy, he didn't just stop right there and say, okay, well, I pursued. I went after it. When David got to the enemy, it meant there was going to be a battle. There was going to be a fight. There was going to be a war that was going to happen there that day. I want to submit to you, my friends, that when you get up to the enemy, sometimes there's going to be a fight, and you've got to be willing to fight the fight in Jesus' name. You've got to be willing to press through. You've got to be willing to pull out your sword, which is the word of God. Pull out the sword of the spirit, and you've got to fight in Jesus' name. You've got to press through. David had to fight there that day. But he already knew the victory was his in Jesus' name. Somebody, some of you have, you feel like you've lost the battle. You, are, you feel like you've already lost the battle. I want to tell you, my friends, you might have lost the battle, but you haven't lost the war. You may have lost the battle. You may have felt discouraged, but you haven't lost the war. My friends, my Bible tells me that we win the war in the end in the name of Jesus. No matter what you're going through, we win in the end. Hallelujah. You've got to be willing to fight. You've got to be willing to overtake. David overtook his enemy there that day. And the Bible tells us he recovered all. He recovered it all. He recovered it all. You know, a lot of times... We want to we wanna recover it all. But God is saying, I'm not just going to give you back what you lost. I'm not just going to give you back that one thing that you lost. I'm going to give you back even more than you lost. He doubled for your trouble. Hallelujah. David went to battle that day. Not only did he get his children and his wives back and everything that they had lost, but he got double for his trouble. He got back even the enemy's possessions in the name of Jesus. He got back everything and then some. I want to tell you today, maybe you've been going through hell in the name of Jesus, but today you submit to God. I'm getting back everything the devil has stolen from me. And he's going to pay for what he stole from me in the name of Jesus. I'm getting double for my trouble in Jesus' name. A lot of people like to associate with Job when they're sick or when they're going through something difficult. Oh, we love to associate with Job. I don't feel good. I must be like Job. I'm just like Job. But they're never associating with Job's victory. There's only associating with Job's trouble. My friends, the Bible tells us that the life of Job did not end in disaster. It didn't end in destruction. It didn't end in him dying in that sickness. My friends, he got healed in the name of Jesus, and he got more than what he had in the first place. After he got healed, the Bible tells us <laughs> Job 42:10 says, "The Lord restored Job's losses 
when he prayed for his friends, Job 42, 12. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Job not only got back what he had lost, but he got a whole lot more. He got a whole lot more. My friends, I want to tell you tonight that if the enemy has come up against you, tonight pursue him. Pursue, overtake, and you shall recover all. Stand on the word of God tonight. Incline yourself to the Lord. Look to the Lord tonight. And I believe he's going to give you a word. And if he hasn't given you a prophetic word, grab one out of his holy word. And you stand on the word of God. Pursue, pursue, pursue pursue, overtake, and recover everything in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you, if we could have the band come back. Some of you, I really believe tonight there's people here. And you say, Chris, the devil's been attacking me. And I think I know why. It's because I'm not living right. Stand to your feet tonight in the presence of the Lord. You say it's because it's not, I haven't been living right. I haven't been following God. My friends, if you want to recover everything that the devil has taken from you, step number one, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. My friends, you've got to get born again. You've got to get right with God. Tonight, if you'll get right with the Lord, if you'll get right with him, you see, you need to change allegiance tonight. You've been fighting on the wrong team. You've been on the wrong sideline. Tonight, you need to come over to the winning side. You need to come to Jesus. Some of you tonight here, maybe you've, You've never really given your life to Christ before. Maybe you've, you've said a prayer a long time ago, but you've never really surrendered everything. I want to tell you tonight, if you want to get right with God, if you want God to be on your side, if you want him to be helping you in the day of your trouble, my friends, you've got to say yes to Jesus. Sixteen years ago, I was a drug dealer living in Minnesota. My life was a mess. Everything was constantly going wrong in my life. My bank account was always negative. I never had any money. I was always feeling sick and depressed. And, and I just kept pursuing the things of the world. I kept pursuing what could make me feel happy, what the world had to offer. And the more that I pursued the world, the more the enemy took control of my life. And the more and more and more I felt depressed and busted and disgusted. My friends, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You've got to come to Jesus, my friends. My life was so miserable. The more I pursued drugs, the more I pursued the world, the more I realized it wasn't helping. 
There came a moment one night when I came to church, my wife and I were invited to a church service. We went one Sunday morning to a big mega church in Minneapolis. Message was great. It was an altar call for salvation. I didn't respond because I thought, you know, I'm good. I haven't killed anybody. I, I think I'm a pretty good person. I'll probably go to heaven maybe. But you see, my friends, your good deeds can never outweigh your bad deeds. All sin separates us from the Lord. Even the smallest sin separates us from him. As a matter of fact, we were all born into sin. From the very beginning, we were sinners. That's why Jesus came, my friends. He came because he loves you. He came because he wants to set you free. He came because he doesn't want to look down upon you. He doesn't want you to be broke, busted, and disgusted. He wants to give you a new life. And the only remedy to give you a new life was that he had to lay his down. And the Father had to restore him and raise him up tonight. Maybe you come here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe you were like me. You knew all about Jesus. But you're away from him. Come back to Jesus, my friends. I didn't get saved that Sunday morning. I thought I was good. But the pastor said something that changed my life. He said, come back on Wednesday night for our midweek service. We're having a special service. I hadn't been to church in years. I thought, well, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I guess I'll go to church Wednesday night. What I didn't realize was the pastor had said, on Wednesday night we're having a special service for parents whose teenage children are dealing with drugs and alcohol. Come back to church on Wednesday. All I heard was come back to church on Wednesday. I don't know if there was an angel covering my ears for the first part of the message, and then he opened his hands, but all I heard was come back to church, and I thought, oh yeah, that's a great idea, let's go to church. We showed up to our horror on Wednesday night to the wrong service, but it was the right service, because the Holy Spirit had a plan. We showed up, we thought, man, we drove all the way here, we shouldn't leave, we just sat way in the back. While the pastor was talking about all these sin issues that we were currently living in, he was ministering to the parents who were all sitting up in the front. The Holy Spirit was ministering to us in the back. And I knew, I knew I needed to get right with God. Some of you are having that feeling right now in your heart. You know the Lord's speaking to you. The Lord is touching something. You know you're not right with him. That's the Lord. Don't, 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 dis, don't, don't, don't disregard it. It's the Lord. Some of you are saying, I, I need to get right with God. It was that moment that night for me where I knew I needed to get right with God. I wanted my life to count for something. I wanted to live for Jesus. I didn't want to die and not know if I was going to go to heaven. I wanted to get right with God that night. There was no altar call for salvation that night. But that night, my wife and I, we went out into our car. And that night, we made a decision. We're going to start following Jesus. And my friends, we haven't looked back. God saved us, set us 
us free, gave us a new life, put us on a new course. We got over onto the winning side. Some of you need to come over onto the winning side tonight. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you say, Chris, I'm not on the winning side. I need to get right with God. I've never given my life to Christ, but I want to. Or, Chris, I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. I want to come back tonight. I want to get things right. Or if you say, Chris, I just don't know if I died, if I'd go to heaven. When I count to three, I want you to get up out of your seat and come down here so I can pray for you. And tonight, we're going to make it right with God. One, two, three. Come on, get out of your seat. Come on down here. If you need to get right with the Lord, come on, give them a hand, those that are coming. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come all the way up. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Now quickly turn to your neighbor on your left and right and say, hey, do you need to be up there? And if they do, just grab them by the hand, bring them up here, put them in a headlock. No, don't put them in a headlock. Do whatever you got to do. Get them up here. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? Come on. Let's put our hands together for those that are coming forward. Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come on. This is what it's all about, friends. It's about coming to Jesus. It's about coming to Jesus. Tonight I'm going to lead you to Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. Come on, this is awesome. We're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. Jesus is going to save you. He's going to set you free. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means you're surrendering all to him. You're making him Lord of your life. It's not, I'm not Lord anymore. I'm making Jesus Lord. That's what y'all are doing tonight. We're going to confess and say, Lord, I'm making you my Lord tonight. I'm going to serve you. That's called repentance. It's called turning away from the sin and turning to Jesus tonight. And we're going to pray and we're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the word goes on to say that if we'll believe in our heart that Jesus did rise from the the dead, that he died for our sin, that he rose from the dead, it, but the Bible says we will be saved. That's a promise from God. It's a promise. He will save you tonight, and he's going to set you free. So we're going to pray this prayer. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer tonight. The power is not in the prayer. The power is in you praying it and believing it. And I don't want you to pray this way. I want you to pray this prayer so every devil in Jacksonville hears you praying this prayer and goes running for Georgia. Hallelujah. You say, why Georgia? Because the devil went down to Georgia. Praise the Lord. Sorry, everyone from Georgia. We'll pray that they go out into the ocean. How about that? Listen, the point is, tonight you're changing allegiance. And I want you to pray, and I want every spiritual realm to hear you praying this prayer, that tonight, I'm done with that old life. I'm done with that life. I'm changing sides. I'm coming over to the winning team, and I'm giving my life to Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Can we do that tonight? Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Close your eyes. 
And I want everyone here to just pray this prayer along with those that have come forward. Those of you that are back, come on, stretch your hands toward those that have come forward. And everyone here, I want you to pray this. Pray it out loud. Say this. Say, Father, tonight I come to you in the name of Jesus. Save me from my sin. Tonight I choose Jesus. And Jesus chooses me. I repent of my sin. I turn to you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a child of God. I come over to the winning side. Save me now. Forgive me of all my sin. And I promise from this day forward to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on. Come on, stay here. Don't, don't go back. Don't go back. Hallelujah. Listen, this is the best decision you've ever made. Pastor Kim told me today, this afternoon, she said, Chris, make sure people get saved tonight. We care about people getting saved. That's all we care about. We want to see the souls saved. We want to see souls saved. My friends, tonight, the Bible says that if one sinner comes to repentance, all of heaven rejoices. I want to tell you, there is a party happening in heaven over each and every one of you tonight. In the name of Jesus. Listen, if you need a breakthrough tonight, I'm going to pray. I'm going to lay hands on you. If you, need God, if you want God to touch you, you need a breakthrough. I want you to get out of your seat. Come down here. In the name of Jesus, let's pursue his presence. Let's pursue the victory in Jesus' name. Come on down. Come on down. Hallelujah. 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 I wonder if we could sing a song. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Come on. Pursue him right now. Sure. Come on, lift your hands.
how you fight your battles tonight. This is how. It's by getting in his presence. It's by worshiping him. It's by pressing through and saying in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to lie down. I'm not just going to let the enemy overtake me. In the name of Jesus, tonight, I'm getting the victory. In the name of Jesus, I'm getting it. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to overtake. And I will overcome and recover all in the name of Jesus. Come on, give me that chorus again.
hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling tonight. But you know, sometimes when the chains are undone, you got to just shake them off in the name of Jesus. You got to do something. The chains are unloosed. They are broken. But sometimes you got to you gotta get them off of you in the name of Jesus. I wonder if we can sing this song again and just go nuts and let the chains come off in the name of Jesus. Can we do that tonight? Come on, let's take the next 10 minutes and loose the chains. Loose them. Loose them. victory in your mouth. Tonight I want to declare victory. I want to declare victory over you, everything you're going through. I want to declare victory over this house, over Pastor Gary, over every work and attack of the enemy. Tonight it is finished in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Sometimes you got to release the victory out of your mouth. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And so tonight we are going to declare victory. I want to declare victory as a prophetic act, declaring it into the atmosphere. I mentioned it last time I was here, but I think I'd mentioned it. One of my favorite holidays is the 4th of July. And I didn't realize, I guess subconsciously, you know, whenever we celebrate Independence Day, I guess subconsciously, I knew that that wasn't the day that we won the War of Independence, but, but sometimes you forget that July 4th, 1776 was not the day that we won the war. Hello. We didn't win the war on July 4, 1776, and I began to think about it. Why do we celebrate 
July 4, 1776, when we hadn't even won the battle yet. We didn't get to victory for seven more years. Why, do we sell, why don't we celebrate this obscure date seven years later in September? We don't celebrate the day we won the battle. Why? Because that day on July 4th, 1776, was actually the day that we won the battle. Yeah, we hadn't fought the war yet. That was the day that our 13 U.S. colonies got together in Philadelphia and we declared our independence from the enemy. And that was the day. It was the day we declared it. It wasn't the day we won the war. It was the day we opened our mouth and said, in the name of Jesus, we are done living under this oppression. We are going to live free and we declared our independence. I want to tell you today, it's time we open up our mouth and declare independence from the devil in Jesus' name. Can we do that tonight? I want to declare victory. I want to shout a victory. When I count to three, I want you to shout victory as a prophetic declaration over this house, over Jacksonville, over your life, over Pastor Gary, over every attack of the enemy in your life. And we're not just gonna shout it one time, let's keep shouting it until you feel like you got it in the name of Jesus. Can we do that tonight? And I don't want you to shout it like this. Victory, victory, victory. Come on, I want, you, I want every devil in Florida to hear it. Victory is ours in the name of Jesus. When they marched around those walls of Jericho, they didn't go, victory. They shouted it. And the walls came tumbling down. And the enemy got up out of there and scattered in the name of Jesus. I wonder if we can get that kind of victory shout here tonight. In the name of Jesus, we're going to declare it on the count of three. I want you to shout your victory. Keep shouting your victory. Can we do that? One, two, three. Victory! Keep shouting it.
I declare tonight victory over everything you're going through. Victory in this house in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Father, I declare it. I decree it right now. And Lord, we just thank you. Victory, 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 victory. Lord, we will not stop pursuing you. We will not stop pressing in. We will not stop believing. We will not allow the enemy's attacks to get us to back down in the name of Jesus. We're going to keep pushing forward, and we're going to believe for victory tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you put your hands together for five, 15 seconds and give the Lord a big shout of hallelujah tonight? Hallelujah. Come on, lift up that shout into the King of Kings, church. We bless your name, King Jesus. We praise your name. The victory belongs to our God. We bless you, Lord. As we were sitting there singing that song, Ephesians 6 came to heart. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand firm stand therefore having done all to stand stand therefore amen i said having done all to stand in the evil day stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. What does it mean? Stand on the Word of God. That is our truth. Stand on the Word of God. We don't live by what we see or what we feel. We walk by faith in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the Word tonight. Deep cries out to deep. And Father, we stand upon your Word. We stand upon your truth. We stand, God, having done all to stand, we stand. We stand upon your Word. God, give us strength and give us faith. For we don't fight the physical or the natural, but the battle is in the supernatural. And it belongs to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for it. Let's thank evangelist Chris Michelson for such a powerful word tonight. Powerful, powerful word. You should have received special offering envelopes before he came up and preached tonight. I want to encourage you so into this word tonight. Such an important word to continue standing, continue fighting. Don't vacillate, but fight in Jesus' name. Let's bless the man of God that was here tonight and encouraged and exhorted us tonight. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this house. And we pray your blessing upon these people that God, as we leave this place, we don't leave your presence, but your presence is with us everywhere we go. We carry treasure in these earthen vessels. We carry the treasure of Jesus in these jars of clay. And I pray, Father, that it would impact every person that we meet this week, that your glory, your presence, your radiance, it would go forth from our lives and help reach this world for Jesus. 
We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.